Hello and welcome back to the Truck and Driver podcast. My name is Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by... Niall Barker. Well, hey, Niall is uh, one of the uh, busiest drivers we've got on Team Truck and Driver. He's a... Uh, if he's not at one end of the country, he's at the other, and he's quite often hooked into a variety of trailers. How's it gone? It's been a while since I've had you on the podcast. What are you driving? What have you been up to? Yeah, not been uh, too bad recently. I've been uh, here, there, and everywhere again, which is uh, nice, and I've had pretty much every trailer that we can have. Yeah, so t- tell folk what... What is it that you do? It's a general haulage company that you work for, and you're tramping most of the time. Yeah, yeah, most most of the time tramping, but then uh, we've got yeah, like the fleet. The fleet sort of split in half. Like one of them, they do bulk tankers, and then uh, like the cement tankers. And then the rest of us are on general. But then, uh, well, I was on holiday a while back, and uh, my truck mysteriously had tipping gear put on it. So last week, I was a, I was on a tipper for the first time in two years. What were you, what were you tipping? Uh, sugar beet. We're right in the middle. We're right into the sugar beet campaign. Yeah, how's that go? Well, Matt Ireland's the expert for that that, that aspect of th- things. But that it tends to change from season to season, doesn't it? The sugar beet, depending on what the weather's like and how they can extract it out the fields. Yeah, I mean, it's not been uh, not been too bad around my way. We've just been. Was in, like, was involved with was involved with that then? I've never done like sugar beet. I've done past some of the big processing factories. Do you have to like drive into the field? Yeah. Uh, sort of thing or is that not something that you do because I know some of them they tend to use kind of like some older lorries on it because it's quite hard on them yeah it is uh, it is moderately hard going I mean the wagon can cope with it but uh, you can you know you'd soon batter it but then no I've been well Matt Allen talked about it before it's called a mouse it's basically like a big conveyor belt thing that sort of scoops it all up and then it conveys it over onto a spout so mm-hmm. they harvest the beet put it in a big pile right at the side of the field and then the, the mouse comes in Hoovers it all up in essence, then the conveyor belts it over the hedge to where the lorries are parked on the road. And it's rather quick. You can get a full load, like 28 and a half, 29 ton in five minutes. Ooh, that's a lot. I've never seen, never seen it uh, done. I've worked out in it before. Before, but yeah, it's a kind of it's um, one of those things that, that gets uh, really busy at certain parts of the of the year. So that's you. That was you on a, what was that, a bulk, bulk tipping trailer you had. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, recently put a, a tipper on the road, and we've got a wastewater tanker as well, which I had a bit of a play with a few weeks back. A wastewater tanker. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's actually an ex- uh, ex-Scottish water tanker, I think. Yeah. Because on the back, it's got the speed limits, and they all still say forty miles an hour. So. Uh, yeah, what a shame! Really, because it we're, still is. <laughs> yes. So uh, we were leading digestate from a. Uh, a renewables plant into a big pit at the side of a field ready for the farmer to spread. Oh, and they smell nice. Yeah, you get used to it eventually. <laughs> uh, what else? You've been then back on to sort of cutting side stuff. Yeah, been on the curtains and been on the been on the flats. Uh, last week I had a nice run up to Aberdeen with the with the flatbed on. Uh-huh. Was uh, hauling logs out of uh, Chichester the week before that. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, been yeah just been doing. Whatever there is to do. Yeah, it's it's like, it's a really good variety of stuff that you've got uh, in the job that you do. Um, now, it's a Volvo FH500 you've got, version 4. Yeah, that's the one. So how are you getting? You've had it for a while now. How, how are you uh, getting on with it these days? Good all-rounders, right, I mean, those. You know, you never see anybody having 
having much of a bad word to say about them. Yeah, she's not really been that much bother. I mean, we uh, put a pair of new steer tyres on it, I think, last month, and other than like the odd bit here and there, like service items, like brakes and tyres, it's never really needed anything. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, this, you know, I'll have had it two years this January, I think. How old is it? It's a Euro sex, isn't it? Yeah, it's a 68 plate, this one I have. 68 plate, uh, Euro sex, Abbey Euro sex C. A few updates to yeah. So now, did you mention? Um, I think coming up in one of the trucking driver updates, you've got that there's um, some new trucks going on the road as well. Yeah, for the company. Yes, they've uh, again la- last month we put uh, the first brand new truck that we bought. There's uh, a version five five forty dual clutch, which we like just ploughed everything at because it was like it's the boss's first new truck, so he wants it to be nice, and then. Uh, yeah, we've got an older FM four fifty that was on its way out, so we've replaced that as well with the four FM four sixty with the thirteen liter in it, which that'll be mainly on the tankers and and the tipper. So yeah, that'll be a nice bit of kit that FH five forty with the dual clutch in it. You know, so thirteen liters are going to be coming to play a bigger and bigger part of things going forward, like because it's going to be harder for people to get hold of. Big capacity engines, I can see, as, we, as the governments continue to be dicks about things. I would imagine that um, there'll be a premium attached and it'll be more difficult. Thankfully, not yet. But, you know, if you've got big plans to be investing in uh, 16 litres and Scania V8s and things, you want to be getting them sooner rather than later and build up a stockpile of as many as you possibly can for when the time ultimately comes when they start being restrictive about it. I haven't actually seen very many new V8s recently. Everyone's either got the 540s or the 560s, the the Supers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, you're starting to see quite a few of the, the Supers coming coming in now. There's not much of a price difference between a 560 Super and a, like a V8, but it's the way, way, way things are going to be going. I mean, I was out this week at um, a Mercedes event. I got invited out to Hamburg with Mercedes to see the new E-Actros 600. Uh, the new electric long haul truck, and of course, we just knew. I didn't put there were some pictures went online for the trucking driver website, but you know, the reaction was as you would probably expect to it being an electric truck. You know, it was like, ah, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. You know, it looks like a fridge freezer, it looks like a stormtrooper's helmet, and all this kind of stuff. Because I don't know if the rest of them are said the new next generation actress is all going to look like that. Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, the the new electric one. Yeah, I actually yeah, saw it on the truck and driver page. Yeah, yeah, it's got like a smooth front end where the grill is, and but it's all down aerodynamics, really. That trying to extract it, the the last little bit of uh, optimized airflow around that. I don't think Mercedes did themselves any favors by just sending out a completely plain truck. Because if you imagine, a lot of people once they start to put livery on things where you've got some stripes and some lettering and things like that it would break all that kind of kind of stuff up but it's the next phase and sort of this because i mean a lot of the the coverage and things you see is all to do with electrics and it's because the truck manufacturers have got no choice really they're going to be fined a load of money if they don't sell enough um electric trucks or if they sell too many diesels so what you're going to find uh, what you're going to find is there's going to be more and more of a, of a push 
towards them, but it's still a kind of moot point because they're going to cost two and a half times as much as a diesel one, which basically means they're not affordable to a lot of people. And of course, we all know about the infrastructure, about being able to charge them. But the, the Mercedes itself, it could do 500 kilometres um, on a charge, which is basically, what is that? That's 200 miles, 300 miles, and then you've got to stop and like charge it. So the idea would be that that would be able to trunk on a driver's full four-and-a-half-hour card, stop somewhere, recharge, and then get back up the road again, I guess. But it's just not as easy, isn't it? If you imagine all these trucks having to come on, like, come on a pallet line or something like that, and they all had to go and get charged before they could go back up the road again, they would have to be, you know, they all tend to be moving about in these places. Yeah, I'm not convinced how it's still going to work in a lot of cases unless it's for the supermarkets and Tesco and things like that. I'm going to say, I think Tesco had one on demo for a while, didn't they? Like they had an electric yeah, Tesco. Yeah, Tesco's got one. Loads of, the, loads of these places are buying one because it's important, you know, to say, yeah, we've got an electric truck. And by all means, like the likes of Tesco and everyone can run these things on a set route. They know where it's going to be and they can charge it back at base. But so much of general haulage in Britain doesn't work under that sort of fixed template. So it really is going to be interesting going forward as we move towards, well, it's tw- it was 2030 for cars being banned, which was a farce. Petrol and diesel have moved it back to 2035. Labour say if they get in, they're going to move it back to 2030. And the trucks are, are a bit later on than that. You're sort of talking like 2040 when it's like, when it's like um, kicking in, and obviously the technology is going to push on a, a, a lot more um, during that time. But battery power, I'm not can nobody is convinced that it's going to be the solution, the solution for things really. But in some cases, it looks like that some places are not really going to have a choice. In Germany, what they've done, you know how you get the mount, like the toll thing for Germany for the roads. Yeah. It's a road toll thing. Well, now, from the end of the year, every diesel truck, including Euro 6, has to pay 35 cents a kilometre. So every 1,000 kilometres, there's a 350 euro charge for a truck. That's a lot of money. So that's all going to have to get passed on to the end consumer. That's going to make everything much more expensive on the shelves, where the government cream off vast amounts of money. Electric trucks are exempt from that. But the likes of that big Actros, which they could say, yes, you could use that as a replacement, isn't available until the end of next year. And you've still got to go and, you know, work out, because you're going to have higher payments every month um, until you can get to the point where hopefully it's costing you less to run it than a diesel than a diesel truck. So, you know, that I can see people will be avoiding Germany. They will literally be driving around it to avoid that, such as the enormous cost involved. And uh, apparently Mercedes-Benz trucks uh, are part owners of that toll system as well. So they would stand to benefit from that. So it's um, it's going to... I just can't imagine how much that's going to increase the price of everything. Imagine they did that in the UK. Every 620 miles... There's an extra three hundred pound charge on haulage, 
We're going to say the amount of mileage I do, we won't make any money. Yeah, well, that's it. We'd have to get it. have to get passed on, and everything. You, you'll know yourself. Everything's getting more. Everything's getting expensive. Like, like raw materials and everything is like off the chart for stuff. The price of oil, the price of tires, the price of parts for everything. I mean, right down to everything that you buy. You know, off the shelf. Your your essentials every day. You know. How do you how do you rig the truck out for a week in terms of food? Do you tend to be quite self sufficient, or are you do you eat out and about, or do you mix it up? Sometimes I eat out, but then I uh, like I've, I've got a decent sized fridge in the truck, so I take the odd couple of microwave things, you know, just in case I get I get stuck out. Like, uh, well, I've I've been away three nights this week, and uh, two of them weren't they you know they were like at the side of the road. Oh well, not. At the side of the road, but they're like on industrial estates, so you know, yeah, so like, yeah. You know, ne- nearby shops. But it's like you know, just walk to the shop, get something to clang in the microwave. Or if you already have mm. something, then you know, you don't have to go out. Yeah, I think that there's there's some guys who will be completely self sufficient in the truck. You know, they'll go and pack it for the whole week with all the food pre prepared and everything, which is part. You know, you can be healthy that way, and you can also be very cost effective. And I'm sure that you know, and there's other guys who'll be out there who'll just you know just eat out like all the time and you know i mean some of the food you can get in certain truck stops and places like that's like good value and it's like affordable but it soon kind of it can soon mount up especially i mean i don't i don't tend to buy food from the motorway services places when it's been jacked up in price i object i object to that i mean even when you're going through the supermarket and, and that now the price of things is just rocketed and it's like, where's it going? Where's it going? And petrol and diesel have rocketed back up over the past couple of weeks. Um, definitely noticed that. And as I was buying, what was I was buying today? Pies. I think I was looking at the the uh, for my lunch. I was looking at uh, what to get out of the local co-op, and like a couple of like little like those little like steak pies are like two pound fifty now, and I'm sure they were like one pound twenty five or something not that long ago. I don't know. What is the world coming to? A man's going to break a fiver to get a pie. Yeah, but, every, but everything's the price of everything's just you know you know rocketing, and uh, there doesn't seem to be any any end in sight for any of it. So it really doesn't help if places. Well, I mean Germany's government's like a basket case anyway with their energy. They they were trying to buy all their gas from Putin and everything. I'm sure they still are in some ways. And, but the interesting thing was Germany's burning a lot of coal at the moment as well. So, you know, it doesn't matter how clean your truck is. If it's um, ultimately being powered by coal, it's not that clean at all, is it? You need to come forward with some um, clean electricity solutions, uh, which we're not hearing hearing too much about at the moment. You've got these great big wind turbine projects and everything, but what do you need to go and build all these wind turbines? Diesel, millions and billions of gallons of it. Yes, they're not not really light, are they? Uh, no, but it's just when the infrastructure and everything as well, putting the roads in to get to them and transporting them there and all that kind of stuff, that all requires diesel fuel. So yeah, it'll be um, interesting times going forward with the sheer instability um, of everything. And I think you know you've you've seen a lot of guys have had to go and get rid of trucks before their time you know they had to get rid of their euro 5 trucks because of these ultra low emission zones and things and i i something that worries me for the future is that they're going to start moving goalposts again with it you know everybody gets into euro 6 it's super clean and everything and then they'll go and shift it again 
and say, no, you've got to have like Euro seven in the future because um, the the way th- the way things are going, I would be apt to look into like hold on to hold on to trucks. People have got to go and had to go and do it for longer anyway. But like good reliable things, as things get harder to get hold of and get more expensive and everything, you know, I can see. It used to be like you know you would see quite a lot of older trucks running about you know guys running like a lot of a lot of things that were over ten years old but you don't see it that much anymore do you? No, there's uh, next next door to our yard. There's uh, it's like a, a scrap yard and he, you know he has various the guy has various things in like I've seen like sixteen and seventeen plates in there like you know being broken up and like putting on the boat and it's like it's. And it's like, hang on, my truck's a year older than that, and yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that until the wheels fall off it near enough. Yeah, but it all comes to, in Britain, you know, there's not really a third owner market for a lot of trucks now because of the way things have gone. They get to like eight, nine hundred thousand kilometers, and that's it. You know, it's nobody there isn't really many people wanting them. I mean, I dare say there's maybe been a little bit more of a demand for people looking at an entry level Euro six, but even at that, that truck has lasted, what, five years, and that's it, done in the UK. So what happens to it? It gets um, taken away, uh, stripped all the emissions kit, gets taken off it, and then it goes out to Africa or wherever, where it will go and run for many years. It's like a Euro 2 or a 3 or something like that with no emissions regulations on it. And I think there'll probably be a move in the future, as truck diesel trucks maybe get harder to get in things, where people will start holding on to them and keeping them keeping them going for longer. You know, that's just my my ponderings. I think about this a lot about what's going to happen in sort of years to come with things because the modern modern diesel engines are you know that efficient anyway. But if you think about it, if you really wanted to make a difference to emissions and things, then you would be going to Africa and Bangladesh and Pakistan and all that and getting them saying, right, we're going to get you guys up to Euro 6. We're going to get all your cars nice and clean and everything so you're not running about in smoky old piles of crap and everything. Instead of trying to extract the last drops from us, the last little farting bits of emissions you can get out of the UK, you know. Yes, we'll nail you all up to Euro 6, so all that's good. Meanwhile, they're still burning thousands and thousands and thousands of tonnes of tyres every day. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And, of course, I mean, some of the best, I mean, some of the trucks that are the best and most coveted trucks that are running out there anyway are your old DRFs and Fodens because they've got no emissions on them anyway, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, say even in 2040 when we're theoretically all driving, well, we won't be driving electric wagons, we'll be waiting in the queue to get charged up, there'll still be people drive. the same people that have ARFs now will probably still have them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just having a look here on Autoguide Botswana, and there you go, there's a 2018 Mercedes-Benz Actros Euro 3. <laughs> Sold out, so there you go. So they're they're all still Euro three there. You I mean, know, it's clean. It's clean in the ARF. It was the green one was Euro two, but that was yeah. uh, the green one was listed as a Euro two. But then on the last MOT before I sold it, it was it scored one point two on the emissions test, and the like mm. the the limit was three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's like it's you know it's like barely a third of what it's meant to be. So and oh, yeah, you know, we, that's supposedly we, a Euro two. 
we've spoken about it before about the um emissions of a lot of these trucks especially those cummings powered drfs they can just about hit euro six that's how clean they are they're like yeah, I mean, high high euro five yeah, i mean admittedly the uh the 14's not as clean as that it's a bit like a gardener when it's when it's cold yeah. weather yeah, the other ones are, you know, a lot of them are so clean. The whole thing's just a the whole thing's just a um, uh, a joke in terms of all, all that. But that, that's what I think. With all this stuff that's going on with him, um, net zero and everything, we're focused in the wrong place. We should be focusing on developing countries and getting them to drive cleaner trucks instead of, you know, taking our old trucks, stripping all the emissions kit on them and sending them all over there. How can they? How can these big corporations do that with a clear conscience? No, and I, I went, of course, I flew out to Heathrow as well, and Heathrow is in Sadiq Khan's ultra low emissions zone, which I thought was quite funny. You know, thousands of airplanes uh, coming into land and leaving there every single day, but you can't drive in there with your WRedge 1.2 Corsa because that's not good for the environment. Yes, it, it, it's it's like that all over. Like uh, there's a spot where we go, we go in London, and it's uh, right next to the railway line. And you're you're sat there in your Euro Six wagon with all the cameras on it and all the stickers on it and and everything. Meanwhile, Freightliner's going by with the train, and like he's had to stop because the passenger train gets priority. Then he's had to set to going again with his like thousand ton of containers on, mm. blowing smoke everywhere. And it's like, well, okay. Oh, it's it's uh, crazy. Have you been to London, Matt? You go to London, you do, don't you? You you go in with the the tanker. Yeah, uh, we do do the uh, odd bit on the gen on the general as well, mm, but it's uh, ma- mainly with the tanker, mainly with the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Hey, because uh, there's uh, there's obviously all the ultra low emission zone cameras come up in that in there, and people have been cutting them down and everything like that. Have you been in there since the US has come in? Have you seen any of these stupid cameras? Uh, I I wouldn't know to be honest. I mean, where we tip, it's uh, just it, just inside the low emission zone, like it's a Park Royal kind of area. So it's just inside the four hundred six. So mm-hmm. I mean, there's well, there's cameras everywhere. Like yeah, I can't tell a red light camera from a speed camera to a low emission camera. I mean, it might might all be one. Uh-huh. Now there, there is a specific kind of camera and all that, but they've been getting cut down left, right, and center. Which is, uh, you know, a lot of people, these Blade Runners have been out doing it. That Lawrence Fox guy, that controversial uh, ex-actor stroke political figure that Chris Madison um, is a a big fan of, he got arrested and had all his laptops and his kids' laptops seized and everything like that because um, he said he was going to go out and join the Blade Runners and go and cut some down with an angle grinder. So they decided that they needed to go and investigate and that, like six of them invaded his house to go and find out about it, you know, good good um, use of police resources there with all the knife crime and violence that's going on in London at the moment. Let's go and send six police officers away out to look into this. Yeah, well, uh, people have been doing the same with the uh, new speed limits in Wales, like they've been going around either painting over or stealing all the 20 mile an hour signs. Yeah, that 20 mile an hour limits are farce as well. That's just been purely done to make driving unpleasant as possible in Wales. 20 is too slow. Trying to drive at 20, you're like constantly like lifting off the throttle because the thing will literally roll on with momentum uh, further. I, I don't know. If you tried like, if you tried driving at like 20, you're staring at the speedometer the whole time. It's just all part of this stupid plan to get people off the road and i i honestly don't uh, understand yeah uh, like especially like in uh, in my truck if i remember rightly like uh, 
at 20 miles an hour, I'm, I'm just at the bottom of eighth gear. So if I go up any kind of a hill with weight on, it's immediately down into seventh and, mm. and, rev, and revving up. Whereas like at 30 ish, I'm quite nicely like halfway up eighth gear so it can hold it mm. and keep, keep it at the same revs. Oh, it, it's just, uh, I don't know what it is. How you know? Well, Drake thought about it. he's like in charge of Wales, and we've got Hums are useless in Scotland, and they they don't contribute anything of, of value to society like at all. Have you seen that HS two has been canned? The top part of that, this enormous railway project, they've decided they're not going to finish it off. But Sunak said because it's an election year coming up, they're going to invest thirty six billion into road transport projects. Um, a lot of which are badly needed instead of spending it on this daft train that goes somewhere very slightly quicker than it did before. Yeah, I was going to say, if they're, if they're canning it, what are they going to do with all the bits that they've nearly built? Are they just going to leave them there? I don't have a clue. I mean, it, it just seems like one of these projects where it's like jobs for the boys, you know, and it's like it's public money, so, you know, it, nobody's in any sort of a kind of rush uh, or motivation to get it finished off because once you've done that what else are you, you going to do you see projects in like Japan where they've had earthquakes and things and they go and rebuild entire elevated motorways in like weeks uh, and, and stuff but not here, everyone gets mired down it's the same with the smart motorways if you notice how many potholes there are on these relatively new sections of smart motorway now yeah, and like uh, bits of Bits of the M1 when you get like sort of Nottingham kind of area, it's like driving on the moon. These bits of road aren't even that old, and the fact when they're building the four lane sections, you're not, you're basically um, reinforcing the hard shoulder which is already there. And why does it take you so long to do it? And about that before, but one of the projects now in Scotland, there are no longer any infrastructure projects being built. Going back a few years, we had the Queen's Ferry crossing. Uh, the new, which is the new fourth bridge? Now I have a, I have a good authority. That's been built. That was built with cheap Chinese steel, instead of like good steel that they could have made in Britain or at the very least Europe. But I know somebody who was a welder on that bridge, and he said it was like crap to weld to. Uh, it just wasn't like you know the metal wasn't uh, like good pure metal. You know, if you weld yourself, you'll know. If you've got stuff with contaminants in it, it'll like spatter back. Expect trouble, but. No, it's a long way off in the distance yet, but expect trouble from that bridge at some point in the future when the people who are responsible will be long gone. Watch that space. But anyway, we had that, and then we had the Aberdeen bypass, and we had the M8 extension and the Wraith interchange. And they should have continued because in Scotland there's some projects that really need doing, like the Sheriff Hall roundabout on the Edinburgh bypass. Have you ever encountered that at the wrong time of day? Yeah. Well, it's just the entire Edinburgh bypass at the wrong time yeah. of day. Yeah, it's just, you know, it was des- it's not designed for all the houses they've built on Greenbelt around it. So, yeah, that, then also, we've got the, the A9 that they still won't decide whether they're yes, going to dual yeah, carriageway or not. Yeah, that should be dueled all the way up. That was an election promise I'm not bothering with. You've got the A1 all the way down. Like, the A1 should be connected all the way from Newcastle up to Edinburgh as a dual carriageway road. No, but it still hasn't been done. And you've also got the A75, which runs from Stranraer like down to the M74, which Sunak has said that is going to get dual carriageway now, which is interesting, which means that the British government is having to override the devolved administrations again. 
But I mean, it's fair enough because the 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 the, um, the 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 Green Party element, which has managed to get in charge in Scotland, says that we don't want any more roads built at all in any way whatsoever. And it's not on because you need roads to accommodate all the extra people that are now living in the country. As you know, the population increases. You know, you need better roads and better infrastructure, which will ultimately save on pollution because you don't have stuff sitting parked in queues and you'll save lives because people aren't dying on roads that aren't for, for purpose. Yeah, I'm just looking on the map on the 75. I should know where it is because I've been on it. But oh, you'll have been on it for sure. Definitely you'll have been on it. Yeah, well, I've been, I've been on it up as far as Dumfries and then usually I sort of bear off on the 76 to go to Cumnock, but I've only been, I think, twice maybe. Both times I've been at night. Oh, it's fun at night. Especially when you get the ferry, you you know when a ferry's coming because all of a sudden you start seeing all the light bars, everything lit up like a Christmas tree as all the top lines come thundering towards you, and depending on what direction you're going. Um, yes, and and even though you're sat on the limit, you're still going too slow. They're still trying to come around you. Uh, aye, but th- thankfully, thankfully, if you're going, you're going one way towards them yeah but yeah i know what you mean i've had them on the way out to cairn ryan before i've been overtaking kamikaze style on the way to the ferry there and you get to the ferry and they'll just park there and i'm like well i can only assume that you were about to run out of driving time for you to have to drive like that because it certainly wasn't you're going to get anywhere that's a mad road that like that is one of the maddest maddest truck roads uh, in the country is that road um, from Ayrshire like down to Cairn Ryan no quarter is given because you've got guys on it who drive it every single night and they know all the all the bits and everything like that it must be quite disconcerting to some car drivers because the lorries can see over the top of over the top of things that they can't and things it's uh but I mean it's a road that's badly in need of up- upgrading you know it's just you know, you know, we've got the cost of everything's going through the roof. The infrastructure's not being invested in. We don't know exactly what's happening with our diesel trucks going forward. Um, it's unset. It's uncertain. And strange times that we are living in. You know, um, I'm actually, and actually, you know, and I've been lazy. I've not. Well, I've not been lazy. I just haven't been out driving trucks lately, getting demos out, kind of, um, which I should really have done because I've got a lineup of them to go and do. But I'll have to go and find some work for them as well in that. So we shall see. Mm. Yes. What What do you reckon you've got lined up next? Scania 560 Super, Renault 480 Turbo Compound, potentially a, a DAF of some sort, but it would be an XF or an XD tractor unit. I had the chance of the XFC Tipper, but... I wasn't guaranteed a week's work in it and that. Folk are just aren't busy enough because there's not, apart from house building and things, there's not a vast amount of stuff on the go. So there's enough to keep us, got, enough to keep me busy. What I was thinking about setting up for trucking driver was like commercial motor used to do their old test route. I was thinking about going and setting up a test route for uh, these demonstrator trucks and going them, giving them a good proper run for a whole day and do the same route every time so I can build up like a league table so we can see what they all do. Because they used to go and do like some quite interesting interesting roads. They'd be way up the A68, which is a, a really, it's like a roller coaster that. So I was thinking, oh, I could maybe go and do that, which would give me the ability to... Um, get some good truck coverage into the magazine, like good, you know, information uh, details on them without 
going away for a week, which I will still do, but it's just to get more trucks in. And also it's better than doing like these press demo drives that you get where you drive the thing for 15, 20 minutes and all that. You know, it's not good. You can't really tell, tell honestly uh, how a truck performs from like a little short drive like that, you know. Yeah, and uh, usually when usually when you're one of those, you've got like the the rep the rep sitting next to you, and it's like, well, if you do this specific thing, it'll do this specific hill at this speed, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, put something heavy on it, put me on a trip that's like six hours up the road, then I'll come back to you. Exactly. And now that I got now that I think about it, speaking of driving trucks, Euro or not driving trucks as as, as another Euro Truck Simulator. Now I was. I, I was using the game a little bit last year when I had, well, I had those couple of years ago now due to the pandemic when I had that Renault Range T High Evo because I launched it in Euro Truck Simulator and then I ended up getting a Ford and Alpha skin for the game and then I'd managed to get like the Cummins engine packs, which weren't bad, but they weren't, you, you kind of got like a straight piped one and it was too much, like the noise of it. And um, uh, coming back to you, your ERF was getting used for sound effects for this video game, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. A, uh, a uh, One of the mod makers, he's currently building an ERF EC for Euro Truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I'll say it was, it's a Venturas 3D. If you, if you look him up, you can see the progress he's making. And uh, so we used my EC14 for a sound. I uh, borrowed my old green EC10 off the guy who owns it now to do a sound of it and i think uh, one or two others gave him a sound for an ec11 and uh, he's already got he already had a, a caterpillar and a detroit diesel off uh, off an american truck pack so he's going to use those and like he's he's going to town on it like he's got ev- every cab you can get all the like the tuning spots on that he's got various chassis for it and uh, oh fantastic so this is so you can have an erf ec and euro truck simulator Yes, and, he and he's is, got uh, so he's got like so he's he's rendered like the dashboard inside and everything. Yes, now I'm not overly sure because there were two dashboard types of the EC. I think he's doing the old style dash, which had the canvas floor rather than the carpet. Yeah, yeah, the one with it. Yeah, the angled dash rather than the one with the big hump in the middle with the the, the single air vent on it. Yeah, I mean either yeah either yeah no either one's cool. It's just fantastic that you know after all these years that somebody's devoting all that time to put that truck in a computer game. Because I have got, obviously, you can you can download the Ford and Alpha skin for the game, but the advantage that has is that it's based on a DAF CF, which gives you, you know, the, the dashboard and, you know, it makes life a lot easier. If he's designing the ERF from scratch, do you know what he's based it on? Or a, uh. No, that... it's it's completely from scratch. I mean, as he said, with the Ford and, like, I mean, you can... You could probably use the standard DAF interior from the game, and then yeah, yeah, that's what and, they did, and, no, and no one would know. But then, like, obviously, this there's uh, nothing to do with it. I mean, I think the guy's made a Ford Transcontinental before. I don't know if it's the same guy who's done who's mm-hmm. done it, but uh, he's yeah, he's uh, basically built everything from scratch, like all the all the cabs, all the wind kits. He's just gone off pictures and then uh, off information oh. that he can find off of people like me as well. Ah, fascinating. Now, to anybody who's listening that doesn't have a clue what we're talking about, Euro Truck Simulator 2 is the video game about lorry driving, whereby it is literally lorry driving. There are people out there who've got their PCs rigged up with three monitors. They've got steering wheels, which are like the actual steering wheels from trucks, gear levers, 
full pedal sets and everything. And you can make it, you know, it, it's it's not perfectly realistic, but it is, a, it is a good interpretation of lorry driving. And I've always been of the opinion that it's something that's important to get youngsters interested and into transport, especially now they can't go out in the cabs with their, their mum, their dad, their uncle, their brother or whatever. That's not really an option available to most folk anymore. But Euro Truck Simulator um, is and it's getting sort of better better all the time in terms of the cities and the places that you go. I would always like to see in it more of a a role play aspect to it where you know you can really sort of forge a sort of storyline and a career for yourself, you know. Not like Grand Theft Auto sort of style, but it would be it would be good to go and try and build your company up and get into sort of different things like, you know. I don't know how you felt, felt about it when you played it, but it was like the world was like a bit dry. It wasn't that interactive, you know? Yeah, I mean, once, I mean, you know, if you're on it, you can sort of like delve into the files and make your wagon look however however you want. But once you've sort of done that, it's like, well, I've, I've done it now. Yeah. And now going back, to, going back to getting young people in, I, uh, and I know a lad from uh, down Somerset where I believe he's from Taunton, if I remember rightly. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's from Taunton and uh he played the game, you know, I met him off of Twitter and then he's come to the shows and that, met in person, become friends and all that. And then uh, I think he's 19, maybe 20. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. played Euro Truck. He passed his class one last month and last week he's got taken on at his first job. Oh, well, there you go then, a success story. I'd like to hear, I would like to hear more success stories like that of people who've gravitated from video games. And uh, I know that Josh Herbert, um, who works uh, at Scania as a mechanic now, he, he had like racked up something like, you know, uh, it was something crazy, like ten thousand hours on Euro Truck Simulator, um, before he was even of like a legal age to drive. And yeah, it's like a, the the truck manufacturers have sort of dipped their toe into it and just uh, given them support at times as well. But it's not. I don't think it's what you would call a triple A title, which is like the biggest type of video games. That's like your biggest releases, like you know Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that. I think there'd be there'd be more that you could do with it in terms of yeah, just making it like a living, breathing world and the different things that you could get into. But I'd also like to see, you know, stuff where you've got to like avoid like the you know, you've got to stay in line with the authorities. And also like what would really get get me going is if you had the opportunity to start running a bit bent, you know. So you know, a, a couple of friendly boys putting you up to go and moving some um, goods uh, across, um, you know, in a time span that's not actually illegal. But um, I don't think I'm not sure they would want they would want to allow that if it's like officially sort of backed by the manufacturers and things these days. But oh, it'd be so much it would be so much fun in ETS too if you could start running, you know, doing all sorts of dodgy stuff. Because the good thing would be that it would give you an opportunity to do all the things that you would love to do in real life, but obviously you wouldn't because you're a responsible citizen, you know. Go back to the glory days of the 80s and everything where, you know, tachograph cards were, you know, thrown out on the ferry coming back across into Britain and things. It's- I mean, why do you, why do you, that's the exact reason why I say, you know, if I've had a couple of days off and I'm bored, I'll chuck it on, but then, like, like in, in the game options, you can have it where like you don't get fined for anything, you don't have the limiter on, and it's like, well, I can't do it at work, so I'm going to do it here. If I've got the game on, I will probably switch the limiter off on it, yeah. 
Um, but I've, I haven't played it for like over a year, so I dare say if I put the laptop on now, it would be doing so many updates that it would be um, still going um, tomorrow. But uh, as it gets towards like sort of near Christmas and that now, I might go and have a, I might go and have a look at it again. I've kept trying to get my nephew into it. Um, he's like, well, he's eleven now, so his attention span's maybe coming up sort of a bit to be able enough to understand it because before. He just couldn't get his head around the fact that it was a simulator. He'd be like driving the truck, drive it flat out, round to the first corner around about and crash it and put it on his side. And he's like, Can you like reset the truck? And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. You know, that's you've got to get recovered and you're screwed now. It's you, you need to drive it like a lorry. And it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, can you believe it's a it's a ten year it's I think right. it's over a ten year old game now. Oh yeah, it's old now. I mean you can see on and Britain looks terrible compared to the more modern sections of it and everything. It's, uh, it looks really old-fashioned. It's got loads of junctions and roundabout setups that we just don't get in the UK. It's weird. Yes, I remember when it, fir- I remember when it first came out and the newest truck you could get on there was a Renault Premium and we all thought it was brilliant. Like they, they, did, they didn't have any of the names for the wagons. They had to make up fake names for all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no licensing yet. Yeah, I mean, in fact, I wonder what else has come on there now, because when I was playing it last year, you couldn't get an IVEC OS way. That wasn't on it. I don't think the mirror cam Mercs were on it. The DAFs had just come on, because yeah, DAF had done, like, an official launch on that. But, um, yeah, I would expect to see, like, the supers and things in there now as well. I shall have to go and have a wee look and investigate into that. Not that I've really massively got the time, because I've got, like, ten cars sitting about the place that I need to sort out as well. Including one, one of my my Vectras is down at Bob uh, Broughton Transport because I left it down there to go and pick up a Corsa from Copart. So actually, to get my Vectra back, I'll probably have to go and I might as well arrange a demo and do a week's work at Broughton Transport so then I can go and get my car up the road. I'll just go and get one of the lorry drivers. Well, get work it out when one of them's up in Scotland if I can hitch a ride back down the road with them uh, while my stuff in it. That's a plan. Right, that is a plan for the future, um, so I can get my card back as well. <laughs> this magazine is packed with stuff. Like you know, it's um, really excited to get it out the door. Now we have done this year. We've done specials on Volvo, Scania, DAF, MAN. Next year, we're going to be looking to do another series of specials as well. We might look at doing heavy haulage. Young drivers might be one of them. British trucks has been in the horizon for a long time, but I still need to get a full comprehensive lineup of um, British truck operators for that. But um, what was that thing? Oh, ADR things, hazardous goods. We might do like a special issue on that. We'd be interested to hear people's feedback on what they would like to see from like a themed issue of the magazine where we focus on something in particular if we can manage to if we can manage to accommodate it because it looks like we're going to be doing a whole series of these special issues next year a lot more pages in them they cost more to buy but you know the the increase in quality and, and quantity um works out really well and it does uh, they always sell better as well, so that's a that's a, a positive thing. So, I mean, what have you? So it is now. I mean, we're getting on. It's in middle of October now. Have you got much more planned in terms of shows and events and stuff you're going to be doing with ERF? Newark was kind of the the last one. We took the 
took a few work trucks down there and then uh as for the ERF it's currently out of MOT and I'm currently ordering service parts for it and then uh, sending that away to get serviced and serviced and MOT'd so then it's fresh and ready for next year yeah. I think my well my first one for next year is probably going to be uh Lincoln in uh, May oh, good stuff good stuff that's good get some preparation work done over the over the uh, winter yeah I've got I've got um couple more things yeah on the, on the last weekend in October I'm on the bandit run which is a car event uh, run by the cannon bars run people which um involves um sort of smoking it's a smoking the bandit themed weekend uh so obviously you know that's going to be right up my street I may or may not be going in full bandit outfit you know are you going to paint a golden firebird on the bonnet of your black cavalier <laughs> you know it yeah, you, th- yeah, yeah. you think he's you think he's joking, people. He probably isn't. No, I'm not. I'm entirely serious. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not going to paint it. I'm going to done in vinyl. But yeah, yeah. So I've got that, and then the week after, we've got the fireworks for the truck racing at Brands Hatch, which is always a good good weekend. It's a shame that Brands Hatch have kind of like you know uh, restricted the amount of trucks that I've got in there over the over the recent years. It's going to get smaller and smaller because you could get. Uh, uh, often get a really good, fantastic selection of trucks in there. Um, uh, what's there is good, but you know it could be so much more. It's just a shame that they don't, they don't really want hundreds of trucks in there. I'm sure. But yeah, there's that, and I think that's about it for the end of the year in terms of shows and events and things. Uh, we'll be busy photo shooting away anyway. We've got a lot of stuff to get uh, organised and sorted out between now and the end of the year. We've got a daft special coming up for Christmas which um, is another big one to go and sort out. So, busy, busy. What's your work go like in the run-up to Christmas as well? Do you end up, like, on the supermarket trailers and things, or what? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, last last year we did a bit on the supermarkets, which then uh, we usually run right up to Christmas Eve, and then we have the big uh, Christmas Eve wash and, you know, the line-up in the yard of all the fleet. and uh, Yeah. You know, ready, ready for a fresh start back in January. And can't really remember what we did the the year before, I think the year before we were still flat out on general, and then last year we uh, did the supermarkets for a bit, and it's the same, well, it's the same as yeah. anything. You just you don't you know you know what you're doing on the Monday, but as for Tuesday, you don't really know what what you're on yeah. with. Just what what holidays do you take over Christmas? Yeah, is it like four and four, and working in between times? Or they're folk on the go all the time. Yeah, I mean, we well, we try to give everyone at least a few days off, but then if there's like the the odd job come up in between Christmas and New Year, you know, sometimes that you no, know, you'll you'll do a day in between or yeah, the way it goes, no, that, that I could, a lot that's a lot of operations. Literally, the only time you'll ever see the trucks together is for like one night, which is Christmas Day night, and then they're back out in the back out in the road again. You know, the amount of freight that if you go out, you go out on Boxing Day. Uh, and look at the amount of trucks that are out on the road. You know, road transport makes a you know a, a big sacrifice to keep the country going, keep everybody, uh, keep everybody um, stocked up in the manner into which they are uh, accustomed. Unless, of course, you work on the tippers and in the construction industry, in which case you get two weeks off because the quarry lot know how to do it, and that, uh, they're never in a rush to get back. <laughs> yeah, it's about it's about the only time of year those tippers stop. Yeah. It's, I don't think uh, I've ever seen an eight wheeler tipper stood still. Good job, Abe. I do. I do like the eight wheeler tippers. Like that daft was lovely that I drove that XFC overkill really for an eight wheeler. That car, 
unless, I mean, I suppose if you're tramping, if you're away all the, all the time. But yeah, what, what a uh, lovely big machine that was. Uh, XFC 450, 11 litre, eight wheeler. Uh, I've got that to that to write about again. You shot. I mean, eight wheelers are bear no comparison to what they were ten years ago. The comfort and refinement in them is just phenomenal, and you don't have to worry about the fact they've got automatic gearboxes now. Whereas before, I would be like an eight wheeler. I definitely want a manual. But those latest generation boxes, the latest I shift. Uh, OptiCruise, even the Traxxon as well, they're all absolutely fantastic in terms of control and things. And some Mandy from Daft said to Zardes, I can't believe I'm speaking to the same Dougie Rankin from five, ten years ago and he's talking about manual gearboxes and everything, because I used to be known for being quite militant when it came to manual boxes and all that. I said, I want a manual. And I'm like, yeah, well, the only reason I was saying that was because the manual was better than the automatic gearbox. It's as simple as that. Uh, but now, I mean, they've they've caught up to such a degree that you know, you can the way that those Volvo I shifts behave like that dual clutch is just phenomenal, you know. And I'll just be open minded about it and say I'll give praise where praise is due, you know. Yeah, I mean that that one we've just got. I uh, took it for a spin last weekend. I mean, only only went to to leads in it, but then well, it's got it's got front front air. So going down the lane from the yard, I'm. Even Bobtail, it's like, I'm still in the seat. This is good. And I can even, the first couple of gears you can kind of feel, but once you get going, like from mm. ninth gear upwards, mm. it, you, you just see the number change on the dash. It's like, are we actually moving? Yeah, it's phenomenal technology in these transmissions now. And it's especially when I find like when you're on building sites and trying to get the thing to go and like clamber up over curbs and down into like, you know, big potholes and back out again. And they can just manage it the way that they've managed to get so much finesse and control through the throttle pedal without you having the clutch pedal. There's like a really, uh, a really big achievement for whereby you would have had that with a with the gear lever and clutch before. Don't get me wrong, I like shifting gear. You know, I I like the enjoyment, uh, the tactile exp- experience of changing gear for myself. And you know, depending on what I'm doing, I would still probably like um, a manual gearbox, especially now, because I know that they're not going to be around for that much longer uh, and at all. They're going to be very hard to find unless you can get somebody who's holding on to uh, an older truck or got one of the last sort of XF or Scania R-series manuals. But I suppose it depends. If I was driving around the southeast all day or I was driving around Birmingham all day on the M forty two around there every day. That that you know, I would probably say, yeah, just give me a bloody automatic, please. Um, yes, the southeast. I've have a, I've been down the southeast this week. Uh, did you mention Chichester earlier on? Yeah, that was I think fortnight ago. Now this week I've been been to uh, down in Kent. Been to uh, Ashford and Folkestone. Uh, did you go into the big truck stop? Uh, no, I didn't. I uh, ran as Ran as far down as uh, Harlow, parked up in Harlow on the night, and then straight down into Ashford and straight, you know, straight down Ashford, Folkestone. I mm. reloaded Aylesford to come back home with, and uh, surprisingly, that was a good day. I got no traffic whatsoever, even even over Dartford. Oh, that's a, that is pretty unusual. I don't understand. I don't understand what happens with Dartford to make it clog that much. There must be reason for it but Dartford is I mean I know it's got a reduced speed limit going into it but it is 
you know, it's a full set of lanes in each direction. Why does it just, you know, is it, a lot of it must be down to people moving lanes when they think they, when they don't actually need to move lanes. I think it must be confusing there, but I've never seen some of that traffic. Thankfully, when I've seen it at its worst, it's because I've been driving in the opposite direction to it. Um, I've managed to avoid, like, not running into the back of uh, a big queue of traffic at Dartford because, oh, my God. Yes, I mean, I have been at Dartford before where um, they've had to close it because uh, somebody in a car transporter tried to go through the wrong side of the tunnel. Was that a car, was that a car transporter registered in this country? <laughs> I believe it was. It wasn't like your typical flat roof with the body on it. It was just like a standard tractor unit with the half-car trailer on it. Wow. And I uh, see... I see. I seen him reversing out of the tunnel with the police escort, and then he ended up parking in the same place I did that night. And he had the uh, he had the fine on his dash displayed for everyone to see. How do you even manage that? But you know, oh, I mean, <laughs> not that I would ever criticise anybody for getting in like a dodgy position or anything like that. I nearly got caught out this week. Um, where was it? Oh, it was in that daft tipper. I tell you, I, I I wrote a little bit in Trucking Driver um, for the next issue. Just touched on it because I'd like to look into it a bit more and maybe find out what, like, notoriously bad road signs and directions whereby they don't tell you as a lorry driver there is going to be a problem for you on this road if you go this direction until you get five miles, ten miles down it or whatever. And then there's a sign that tells you. I got caught out with that near. Um, a quarry in Oxfordshire, got to the end of a T-junction, can turn left, can turn right to go at the quarry. There is no indication on the sign at the end of the road to say that I can't go left or I can't go right. So I chose right. Drive about three, four miles through a couple of villages, 20, 20 mile an hour limit, get us down to the end of this village where there's like a sort of, it looks like the road disappears. It's like just a wall. And it says seven and a half ton weight limit, 12 foot 6 height limit weak bridge and that was that that was the first time i'd had a warning and i'd had encountered that there and obviously i was in an eight wheel also i could turn around and get back out with a bit of mucking about but what chance have you got with that you know that's that, that should have been signposted away back at the main road to explain that and there's loads of there's a lot of places like that whereby the signage it lets you get a fair few miles down a road, and then all of a sudden there's a sign for a low bridge, you know? Yeah, I uh, I delivered to a spot in Enfield back along, and uh, like the I knew there was a bridge on the road, but then I could get to it without coming off the bridge, but then as I'm going down the road, I've seen a DHL wagon like turning round over a mini roundabout, and he's mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, the, the road's closed, so I rang the place I was going to. It's like, yeah, you can't get at it from that way, you'll have to go round. Like, you know, you'll go th- go through this village, this village. Like, I'm not from around here. Just, you know, give me left and right. Don't give me village names. I don't know where they are. So, mm-hmm. you now quick Google map, found it. It's like, there is a low bridge on that road, isn't there? It's like, yeah. It's like, well, how tall is it? It's like, oh, we don't know as well. Mm-hmm. Then they uh, come up with the other one is uh, all the other wagons go that way. So as well, you, not, uh, all, not all not all wagons are created equal. Do you, do you know about the low bridge? Um uh, thing for Google Maps? Not on, not on Google Maps. I've got a, I've, I use Road Lords for for that oh, one. Right. You can get. There are, I'm sure we've mentioned it before in the podcast. I'm sure Chris has mentioned it before. If you go into Google and type into Google, uh, Google, Google search engine, Google Maps low bridge heights, 
and then it will put a legend, it will put an overlay onto your Google Maps with every single low bridge in the country. Um, and I'll give you all these little blue dots all over the map, and you can click on the individual dot on the map, and it will tell you the height of that individual bridge, which is a um, massive help, because I know that you know Google Maps isn't ideal for navigating um, with a truck because it will try and take you down single track roads all the time and things. But I tend to leave it running a lot alongside another devoted sat nav anyway, as well as using my bloody trucker's road atlas. And I still get and I still try and phone ahead and I still get stuck in stupid places and that and you know. Uh I dunno, just be me. This is this is why I don't want to go and do European work too much, because I feel I'm bad enough in the UK with anxiety. Yeah, so yeah, thankfully we don't we don't mostly we don't get a right lot of that because uh, you know we're we have a select few customers that we work for, so we half know the place we go. I mean you get the odd one that's a uh, a bit cack. Yeah. Like, not not so much the one in Enfield, you know, the, the road was shut, but then like the mm. bridge ended up going oh. over. It was like, yeah. I think it was oh. it, like a, a 15, 15 foot bridge, but like you're down a B road and there's nowhere to turn around and the only sign for it is like 300 yards away. Yeah, ridiculous. Like, that should be signposted like, well, miles back. I mean, I, well, I've, I've only, we only run 4.2 trailers because the stuff we do is never really very tall, mm. but then like, you know, you know, guys run tall trailers because you know they might, you know, they might do light stuff. And it's like, well, if you go down there for like a fifteen-two trailer after you've pruned all the trees, you're knackered. And then exactly. you know, when you rang ahead, they directed you down there because they didn't know how oh, tall the bridge was. Yeah, I got that actually. I got that as well when I had that daff. I was trying to get to somewhere in the middle of somewhere in Essex, and I'd phoned them up for like the third. I was like, I can't get to you. They're like, oh, you do this, you go that way, and you go. That. And I says, I can't. I says, it's a low bridge down that way. I can't get through that way. Oh, right. And eventually I found my way through. I ended up driving through a housing scheme where it said seven and a half tons except for access. If you see except for access, that's, that's you free to go. That's your, you know, I don't, even, I, don't, I don't even know why they put that sign up a lot of the time except for access. Well, what else am I going to use it for? Um, so eventually I got into this uh, industrial estate place and discovered there was only one way in and one way out but you've got to watch with directions off people as well especially well you wouldn't really stop and ask for directions from pedestrians and things anymore you know ask out to get somewhere i do remember getting directed with pollock once when i was out driving i asked somebody for directions to try and get down somewhere and the guy directed me somewhere i was like i the route that he went on his bicycle every day i was like holy shit you know because they won't factor in they won't take uh, and account the fact that you're in a truck. <laughs> yeah, so when uh, another driver rings you for direction, you know, like, where are you? It's like, well, I'm here. It's like, how did you get there? Yeah, it, well, it's always a good resource that, like, you know, if there's somebody else that you can phone to call up on to ask for directions for uh, things. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, kind, of, kind of fun now because I think mm, mm -hmm. three years I've been tramping. Mm -hmm. No, hang on. Yeah, two and a half years will go with I've been tramping now. And, like, when I first started i was the guy constantly ringing the other the other drivers for where the where the hell am i going what, you know i have this much time left will i get to here and now it's sort of come full circle like the the guys who are the guys mm. who are joining us i mean they're you know they're well experienced drivers like but then they're mm. just changing mm. companies but then like say uh have you ever been to the quarry in lossy mouth uh, me personally, no. Uh -huh. lossy mouth lossy mouth I've, lost, I've been to raf at lossy mouth yeah, well, there's... You've been, uh, you've been to a quarry in Lossiemouth. Bloody hell, what the hell were you getting out of there? Some special yeah. kind of sand or stone or something where you're dropping stuff off? 
Yeah, certain certain types of uh, cobblestone in, in bulk bags. Then to get to it, you have to go down this B road, and you're like you're just before a seven and a half ton bridge. But then you can't turn right onto the trail. You have to sort of turn left into somebody's farm gate, spin round, then like go at it straight on. And um, I was trying mm. to direct a guy in there, and it's like if you don't know where it is, you won't know where it is because it's it's signposted for a national park walking trail. But mm. you drive down the walking trail, and it just opens up into a big Actually, quarry. It's like, yeah. why, why would it be um, here? Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I, I was listening to one of the, it was um, one of the Joe Rogan podcasts last week and there had a couple of guys on talking about the development of artificial intelligence and things and saying, you know, and what's going to happen to all these truck drivers when artificial intelligence takes over? And I was like, just laughing. I'm like, uh, it's it's not because of things like that. You know, the amount of tight roads and situations that you've got with people dealing with people and you think do you think you just people just go and program some coordinates into a lorry and send it off and it'll just get to where it needs to go without any sort of problems? That's a of a, a, a deluded vast lack of understanding of the role of what a lorry driver actually does and what they have to contend with and the skill involved we're getting uh, loads where they need to be, especially when Arctics are so often sent to jobs these days that they really shouldn't be, you know, pallet network stuff, whole load of stuff on it and everything, really should be in a rigid. We'd have been in a seven and a half tonner a few years ago, and now you're sending in 45 foot Arctics of the stuff on it as well, and guys getting them in and out every day and things. It's just like, yeah, artificial intelligence is going to replace that. Mm-mm. No, no, it's not. I mean, but if we get to that point, artificial intelligence will have become sentient and will have killed us all anyway or enslaved us, so, you know. Yeah, it won't really be our problem then, will it? No, no it's, a moot, it's a moot point, really, you know. But hey-ho, my dinner's burning now, I think, so I think we'll probably wrap this one up. Yeah, I think I can hear the smoke alarm going off in the background there. <laughs> I know, worries, man. Cool. Here, well, thanks. Now, been lovely to have you on the podcast. Look forward to um, reading um, your update when it's out in the magazine next week, or it'll be this week by the time this comes out. It comes out on Friday, the 20th of October, our Volvo special issue. So, yep, thanks again, Niall, and uh, thanks to you, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend or week ahead, whatever you're up to. Stay safe. All right, cheers, Dougie. See you after. Thanks. Cheers. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month.